Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 468. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, CJ McClanahan. CJ is a coach, speaker, a podcaster, and has been a coach since 2003, CJ, or did it start even before then? Nope, 2003 is when I began cold calling business owners in my basement. Oh my gosh. How did you get inspired? Sorry, by the way, that was such a poor introduction on my side, but welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. I appreciate the opportunity. See, I got so excited right away. Now I'm just curious and I didn't even give you the proper opportunity to say how you got started. I, as quick as possible, I have a slight corporate background. I had a couple unique, very unique opportunities. Well, when I say corporate background, I started my corporate career at Arthur Anderson, the big accounting and consulting firm. I had an, a unique opportunity to help run a manufacturing company and ran a sales team. And then in 2003, when my wife is pregnant with our first child, I decided I was going to start my own company. I had no deep skills in any one anything. And so I just went out there and I started asking people, how do you buy a company? I got introduced to a franchise broker. A franchise broker introduced me to something called business coaching. And 15 years ago, I bought a business coaching franchise five days before my son was born. Oh my and gosh. I, what did that do to your wife? I'm sorry. I just, you know like, what? It's, it seems crazy that I did that. And so I don't have a very high risk tolerance. And believe it or not, my wife was the one who made me do it. Made's a strong term. Encouraged me to do it. <laughs> she would have said, don't do it. I'm afraid I would have never done it. But she had enough courage for both of us. And she's like, quit talking about it and just do it. Oh. Um, and so we were good. And she had a job with benefits and it kind of allowed us, it allowed me to take the leap. Wow. I can't even imagine. I mean, and okay. When I was pregnant with my twins, I let go of all my clients because I saw my business shifting. Okay. I swear there's something in the hormones. I'm just putting it out there. Right. Because after they were born, I came back and I was like, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I have a business and no clients. Yeah. It, it is crazy. There's no doubt about it. It was, if you can remember, and you, I don't know that you can, I can barely remember, but pre-children, you're, everything seems fairly easy in life, pre-children, yes. and then you have a human and life changes. And, and so I made the plunge before the boy was born. And if I had waited until after he was born, there's a chance I may not have done it at all, but I'm glad I did it. Oh my gosh. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember before, and listeners, our kids, our oldest two, well, my oldest two and, and CJ's are just about a year apart. But I remember taking the train into Manhattan, meandering over to the coffee shop, getting my coffee, casually getting to the office pretty much on time. Okay, I was on time right. every day. We actually had to sign in, but it was just so easy. And now mm -hmm. it's every single morning. Blah, 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 blah. Where's yeah, my shoes? Mm -hmm. Did you brush your teeth? Did you eat your breakfast? I hope you didn't miss the bus. I'm actually very much looking forward to school getting back started. I just had to put that out there. <laughs> when you were thinking about buying a business, I'm just curious, because mm -hmm. right 
In the past week, I started reading The E-Myth. I have no idea why it took me six years of being in business to actually read it, except for the fact that I think everything happens when it's supposed to. Had you read The E-Myth or have you ever? I have. Yeah, I read The E-Myth actually before I started my business, believe it or not. Someone recommended it to me right before I, I started the business. I just had to ask because the part that I was reading last night was talking about the franchise model. And I was, my Mm -hmm. husband is not an entrepreneur, but I was walking him through it. And now franchises have, you know, some type of business model. And he's like, that's so smart. I was like, yes. And I don't have a franchise, but I need to build that in my own business. Yeah, no doubt. He, Gerber, the book is so elementary. And the reason I think it's been so popular over the years is that he is a great storyteller and he connects with every entrepreneurial challenge. And, and really makes it really simple to talk about this concept of building systems and processes so that your business can run without you being knee deep in it every minute of every day. Oh my gosh, yes. And is that something that you deal with a lot with your clients? Is that they're just so knee deep in it? Oh yes. You know, I mean, every business, every entrepreneur, every professional, but more, more so every entrepreneur wakes up and says, I'm really good at this thing. I'm going to start a business and build a business around it. And then the business becomes them and their personality. And entrepreneurs tend to be the type of person who do things by sheer force. So the entrepreneur says to themselves, I'm going to grow by working more hours. I'm going to get better clients by making more calls. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And the next thing you know, the business is a somewhat of a biological extension of themselves. And unless they detach from that extension, they're never going to really get the true benefits of owning a business, which is the freedom and cash flow that comes from being able to have something generate revenue when you're not in the middle of it every second of every day. Oh, yeah. I realized when I was reading last night that I've fallen in, and I'm working my way out of it right now, Mm -hmm. that I've fallen into being employed by my business, just like I was employed by prior employers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably, but, but your boss is less reasonable now and you're, and oh, you're far less. you know, am, right? It's craziness. much harder than any boss I ever had. Yeah, no doubt. It's tricky. There's, and it's hard, but it's doable, but it's hard. There's no doubt. It is a tricky, hard beast to wrap your arms around. Taking a look at your own business, how mm-hmm. have you managed to not fall into these same traps yourself or have you? Oh, yeah. Let's be clear. I've fallen into the traps No, like no one's business. Coaching is, so I coach and train executives. It's a difficult model to leverage because if you know anything about coaching and you've ever interviewed a coach and you've had a lot of podcasts, I'm certain sometime you have, coaching is a, it's a made up industry that requires virtually zero real qualifications. And so all of us out there doing this coaching thing are doing it kind of in our own way. And so I've been challenged over the years to determine how do I leverage myself. And I found that the best way to leverage myself is through speaking more and just working with larger clients. So if you were to say to me, CJ, have you truly embraced everything that Michael teaches in the EMF? I would say absolutely not. Executive coaching is a tricky model to leverage into franchise. But I have built it in a way that I have systematized everything in my business. So it is a very manageable, streamlined business that provides me with a pretty decent amount of flexibility. When you say you've systemized just about everything, can you give us more of an inside look? Oh my gosh, absolutely. So let's talk about, that's the way I interact with clients. For example, every client comes to my office, every client follows a fairly 
uh, systemic process in which I say, this is what we're going to do first. This is what we're going to do second. Every client, I capture the same information from every single client. And so each of my interactions with my clients, in theory, they're all different businesses, but they all follow a very set system. And so a new client, I'm starting a new client uh, next week, and they will follow the exact same system that the other 400 have followed over the last 15 years. And that allows me to scale simply because every single time I bring someone new on, I'm not like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? How do I help grow their business? How do I help improve this person? Another system I've built, you know, the way that I do all my marketing. And I was telling you offline here prior to the to our recording that I have my marketing is done by a a person out in San Diego and I've got marketing systems. So they just execute on a very regular basis. I'm not heavily involved in the day to day. And as a business owner, the more systems you build, the more you can scale without systems, you can't scale at all. I love that. Listeners, you've heard me talking about how I'm building my team. CJ, my team is, I believe, seven, I had to do a count. And one of the things that my OBM brought up is, Kim, do you have a client onboarding process? And up until that point, I hadn't, it had never even occurred to me. And I had to say that the number of ideas that my team has, and that we implement is outstanding. Just because we only have one brain ourselves mm-hmm. and just having those other perspectives is often so important. I mean, whether, whether it be a coach's perspective or a team member's perspective, mastermind members, listeners, if you're in a bubble by yourself, I encourage you to break the bubble and get out. Mm-hmm. See, there was a Canada creeping out. out. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was an out. Yeah, but... Now we're setting up the onboarding process because it's amazing how some clients don't, you know, we, we try to set up LastPass, not try to, we, we encourage strongly each client to get on LastPass, which is Mm -hmm. the password sharing tool. As they're building their teams, they can share their passwords without sharing their passwords. And this is not an affiliate offer. I just want to make that clear. Mm -hmm. But then if they have to change team members, if it just doesn't work out, it's like a couple clicks to remove access to all the tools. But I've seen so many clients just have their passwords in a Google spreadsheet or in an Excel spreadsheet, and then they have to painstakingly go through 200 passwords and make sure that, you know, it's not just an issue of the person having access to the spreadsheet, but they could have copied it. They could, it's just so time consuming, but Mm -hmm. why not just number one, let's get you set up. And make it easy. And there's so many other things like joining teamwork. How do you do that? And it just never occurred to me that this was like a two day procedure of walking clients through unless they're very, very technologically savvy, which some of mine just aren't. And I still love you for it. But we can eliminate that all just by starting to set up some of these foundational systems. And that's just for the client work. That's not even talking about inside. Oh, yeah. There's ways to leverage almost everything in 2018. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. What is your most favorite part of what you do? Good question. So I enjoy the breakthrough 
with my clients and whether that is on the stage in front of a thousand people or whether that's one-on-one, I enjoy kind of seeing that light bulb go off where they make that connection between where they want to go and where they're at today and how to get there. And I'd love to say that it happens 15 times a day, but it's rare because we have to cut through so much noise. But when you see someone have that light bulb moment, you know, you just made a a pretty meaningful difference in their life. I really get a charge out of that. And it's what keeps me coming back every day. It's like the cartoons where they just get that bright, shiny eyes and you see like the fake, not the fake, but the big shine, like boom. Like, I know, I know that what you're talking about. I'm guilty of having that myself about 18 times a day, but I also have chronic idea disorder. So sometimes it's really hard to shut down the ideas. No doubt. How did you get into speaking and podcasting? So speaking, one day someone asked me to speak in front of an event. I got up in front of it and it was, it's maybe the only skill I have that comes absolutely naturally to me. And I got up in front of a room full of maybe 75 people and I spoke and told jokes. And the next thing you know, someone asked, am I a speaker? And I told them I'm, yes, I am a professional speaker. And so once you say that, it, it allows you to charge money. So now I just go around speaking whenever, whenever I can. I get a lot of, I get a lot of energy from that. Now podcasting, and you can tell already, but I'm an enormous fan of my own voice. And so I started just recording myself having conversations with folks, and then I decided maybe this is the best way for me to get my message out and to have very interesting conversations with other people, uh, because I think. It's a great way to dig deep into people's lives, into people's businesses, and to uncover what makes people tick, which ultimately is interesting to everyone because we all kind of want to know what's the, what are the secrets to being more successful or to do whatever it is that I'm doing just a little bit better. I'm a very nosy person, so you're talking to me when you say that. <laughs> it's no, uh, nosy not nosy, good. curious. Somebody, okay. a guest, corrected me very graciously. Last week, you're not nosy, you're curious. Yes, I am. I was afraid of the microphone just six years ago. Oh, yeah. I was so afraid. Well, let me tell you. And when I was a junior in high school, I decided to run for a class office. And I don't know what happened. I felt so prepared to give my speech over the loudspeaker. And I was sitting in a private office. Okay. It was just us people who were running for office. I got behind the microphone. Oh my gosh, it's like happening again right now. And my voice started shaking like I was crying. And people mm-hmm. were asking me for the rest of the day, were you crying? And I wasn't crying at all. But I don't know what happened. It was just like the fear overtook everything. So probably about three years ago, I was invited to be on a podcast and it didn't happen. And I absolutely loved it. And then it happened again. Like I, I got sort of like you're speaking, I got invited to be on more podcasts. And all of a sudden, it it was just like a bug. And for the longest time, I was afraid about actually doing speaking, doing speaking, that doesn't sound right, about speaking, because I was afraid that I would trip onto the stage. But (laughs) over time, I realized, and listeners have heard it before, positive productivity is not about perfection. If I trip onto the stage, I'm going to keep on going. And hopefully somebody will even gain an aha off of that. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm not, absolutely. I'm not concerned about it. Hopefully mm-hmm. somebody got a laugh out of it because I know right. I will. <laughs> it will be embarrassing at first, but it will definitely be memorable. 
Yeah, life goes on, right? Oh, yeah. So tell us about your podcast. My podcast is focused on, we call it Success 2.0, and it is built around the concept that we as professionals, we as hardworking entrepreneurs and professionals have been chasing this definition of success since possibly the beginning of time, which fundamentally is work really hard, acquire a bunch of stuff and recognition and money, enjoy life more. And unfortunately, that rarely works, especially not in today's day and age. And what's happening is it's work really hard, acquire a bunch of stuff and recognition and money, and then feel as though you haven't acquired enough, so work really hard again. And we're on this never-ending chase to get this feeling of joy or contentment or satisfaction that we just are unable to get because our definition of success is broken. And so Success 2.0 is all about having conversations with professionals and talking about redefining success. And, and we think of success a little bit differently. And it's not that we don't want folks to be wildly successful financially because we do. And it's not that we're against recognition because we're not. But we are all about helping professionals think differently about the way they define success so they can actually get more enjoyment and enjoy the journey a little bit more. And that's oh, what we talk about goodness. on the show. Thank you so much for every piece of that. I mean, just for doing it because it's interesting in the last, well, in the last two years, I have redefined my success because what I saw as success two years ago was exactly what you were talking about. Get mm -hmm. more money, buy more stuff, get more money, do more. And then I had a big awakening and realized that is not what I see as being success. People have suggested to me that I should get a new car. I drive a 1996 GMC conversion van. Okay. It's okay. a beast. It is a beast. Good for you. Yeah. But it does its job and it mm -hmm. works fine. I mean, the engine light is always on, but I think that's what happens when you have a car that's older than any of your children. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, why? Well, it will make you look more successful. If my clients are going to judge me based upon the car I drive, then they're not my right client. And I'd rather get the tool that works than the tool that's the most expensive. I hear you. Amen. I actually, I have to say, and this is not to knock anybody who might be listening who drives a Jag. I just want to put this out there. I got cut off last week by a person driving a Jag. When, I, okay. when people have road rage at me, I usually wave and give them an I love you like sign language right. sign and just smile and it shocks them. Mm -hmm. They look at me all confused. But I posted something on my Facebook afterwards. And somebody actually linked back. There's actually been studies done about how the more expensive the car, the jerkier the person who drives it is. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. I, it does, I'm not surprised, but interesting. Interesting bit of data. Yeah. So I would so much rather be in the 1996 conversion van and be really nice than than driving the exotic car and just be a total B. That's just how I got to put it. I mean, if right. I could be both, incredible. Mm -hmm. But No doubt. I, mean, I hear you. But also, I mean, you and I are both in the Midwest. I don't need mm. to spend more on a car than I do on my house. Yeah. We don't, people don't care that much. Yeah. Yeah. At least here in Dayton, Ohio, they don't. But I'm quite happy here. I want to hear... And this is me being curious, how your mm -hmm. book came to be. My book. So, so about, so I've been coaching for 15 years and 
probably about four years into coaching, what I recognized is that my clients were achieving a lot of financial success. Their businesses were growing. Uh, the asset value of their businesses was growing. The amount of hours they had to work was going down. And my basic assumption was that now that these things are going well, the amount of stress that you feel, the amount of satisfaction you feel, the amount of stress you feel will go down. The amount of satisfaction you feel in your life will go up. And I just assumed it was a one-to-one relationship. And what I found is it was not a relationship at all. In fact, almost to a person, a man or a woman, as we grew, the level of their stress just continued to stay the same, if not get more. Because every time we hit a new target, it was enjoyed for five seconds until we hit that next target. And so I began to research that. And I began to actually, I had this soul-searching moment where I asked myself, what am I doing? If I'm not helping people to get more quality of life improvement and enjoy their life more, what is the purpose of all of this? So if I'm just going to help people make more money and they're not going to enjoy their life more, there's got to be more than this. And then I recognized that's the way I was living my life. I was obsessed with being the best and lots of recognition and growth and money and those types of things. And I said, what am I? And I quickly realized I'm an overachiever. And I decided there's got to be a better way for all of us overachievers to live. And so I wrote a book, which is called The Overachiever's Dilemma, which is about this dilemma we have as overachievers in that we're never allowed to slow down and really enjoy life. And in that book, we talk a lot about some very simple strategies to kind of redefine success and rethink about what's important to you. And instead of or build a really great successful business, it's and because you can do both. You just need to shift your perspective a little bit. This is our first conversation. Yes, ma'am. And I feel like you're talking directly to me. That's like therapy. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that on your podcast? Yeah. It's, I mean, there's so overachievers, we all suffer from the same thing. You know, it's never enough, never enough. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And at some level, cognitively, we know that, yet it's hard to jump off the, the it's hard to get off the, uh, the treadmill. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We just bought our house about a month ago, and we were renting to own it for four years. And that first weekend, I felt such a release of stress, because let's just be honest, I was handling all the paperwork, plus my business, plus the majority of the kids stuff. Right. And I was so exhausted, because I just felt all the stress of the house just leaving. And this is me being totally transparent. This week, even though that stress is gone, for some reason, I've been waking up totally anxious and mm-hmm. I haven't been able to figure out why. But I think you, well, I don't think, I know you just pinned it. Uh, that's not the right expression, but mm. just nailed it. What expression am I looking for, CJ? I think nailed it's okay. Yeah. I think I think you can go with nailed it. It's okay. comfortable. Yeah. Because now it's now it's not the house. Now it's mm. like the next thing. And then yeah, it will be next? the next thing. And then mm-hmm. it will be the next thing. And my husband actually said to me, my husband is, he's in his last two weeks of his job. He okay. finally gave his notice. He will be pursuing his dream, which is actually why my business got started in the first place. Huh. Yeah. He was going to school to become a video game developer. And then we unexpectedly had three children. And he had to, after he graduated, he had to go get a job mm-hmm. while I was building the business and trying to balance children at the same time. If this is your first episode, I do not have my littles at home with me during the day. I bravo to women who can 
or men who can build a business and have multiple littles or even just one running around while you're trying to focus. That is not me. But after, so it's been three and a half years and he's been working outside the house and we're finally at the place, especially now with the, the house bought that he can stop that job and actually get back into designing video games, which is again, why the business got started in the first place and not my business. Mm-hmm. That was very confusing. I started my business to supplement our income while he was going to school. I guess right. that I'm tracking with you. Yeah. I still got you. But um, just it's, I forgot where I was going with that, but there's just so much. It's, it's always going to be the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not in my business. Oh, that's where I was going with it. He expressed concern that um, when he is at home, that he will be the one who is chasing the kids 90% of the time, which in all fairness to him is very accurate. Yes, I, right. I get zoned in and it would take probably the whole earth shaking like a 10.0 earthquake for me to get out of that zone sometimes. I mean, I've had kids crack open full dozens of eggs on the floor and I I was I was not drunk or on drugs. I just was so in the zone. I didn't even hear it going on. But I realized that's exactly what what it is. I'm such an overachiever that I need to break the focus sometimes and get back into my life. You know, I would tell you this. First of all, yes, it's the most difficult thing on the planet to do. And I've read a lot about Eastern religion and the Buddha and, and, and the concept of living in the moment is possibly the most valuable thing that anyone can really wrap their arms around and just to be in this moment. So I've been speaking and talking about that for 10 years. I live in the moment probably 40% of the time right now and 60% of the time I'm obsessed with what I'm going to do next. So I'm a recovering overachiever. But if you can just say to yourself, what am I having, what am I doing right at this moment and why is this moment a blessing to me as a professional? You can do that, enjoy the moment, have more clarity and focus and still have whatever level of monetary success you want if you can just come back to this very moment because it's truly the only thing that we've got. Oh, I love that. Is gratitude part of your daily practice? Yes. So I started a foundation uh many years ago called the two rule foundation and the two rules are live gratefully, give generously. Mm. Gratitude is, is the paradigm upon which all happiness is built because without gratitude, you can't enjoy anything regardless of where you're at in your life. Yeah. Now, am I always grateful is the next question. And the answer is no, I complain and bitch and moan like a little baby, Yeah. but I am more conscious of being grateful. I'm on a podcast with someone in Dayton, Ohio today, and I have an opportunity to sit in my studio and have a glass of water and enjoy the day. I mean, there's a lot of gratitude there. I just started really practicing gratitude in the last three weeks, I would have to say. And when when I wake up anxious in the morning, I just stop it. Like I, I pull it right back to gratitude. And for me, it's a prayer of gratitude because my faith is really important to me. But mm-hmm. for whoever's listening, it could be a different gratitude practice. But I realized that the anxiety doesn't subside right away. You know, it's still there a little bit when it's done, but I feel so much better and I remember. And 
I've been having to be more conscious again, because this is a decision that I made about a year ago. It's not that I have to do anything. It's I get to do everything. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's subtle, but it's an important paradigm shift. Absolutely. And so I realized that I was slipping back into the have tos instead of the get tos and also the tries instead of the do's or the do not. I mean, we have to be really careful about how much we'll try to do for everybody when sometimes we just have to say no or even for ourselves, I will or I will not. Mm-hmm. Yep. For subtle but important, no doubt. Yeah. How do you make sure that you are maintaining adequate self-care in your life or is that a struggle for you ever? I drink a lot. I'm kidding. I do not drink a lot. So adequate I wasn't going to judge. No, no judgment. <laughs> no judgment here. So adequate self-care for me is critical. And uh, I do that in a variety of ways. I craft, and my wife wants to kill me when I say this, but I craft what I call CJ time throughout the day. And if I don't get the adequate CJ time, I'm not fun to be around. And so CJ time to me looks like prayer and meditation time in the morning before the day starts. I work out every day near the lunchtime, and then I eat lunch by myself. And I'm not a um, eat lunch with people all the time. I'm a little bit, believe it or not, introverted. And so I need time by myself for that uh, rejuvenation, refreshment, whatever it ends up being. But I, I find that time for myself because if I'm unable to do that, I will be stressed out all day long. And so self-care is a huge somewhat selfish thing that I do from time to time, but I make time for CJ. There's no doubt about it. I am an introvert all the way. And so I totally appreciate that. Actually, I'm the mom who like, I wish I still had cable because I love the commercials. And I just had to say, we are recording this in the summer of 2018. I hate to timestamp it, but I love the <laughs> commercial that comes on July, August. And it's, it's the most ha- happiest time of the year and it's a mom who's pushing a cart through a big box store and she's throwing all the school supplies in because she's so looking forward to getting the kids out of the house and back to school right i (laughs) cannot wait because that me time Mm -hmm. i have to say that's why i'm scared about my husband being at home he is my rock right his office is in our bedroom but it's it's like um interruption right yeah. You should make him work in the garage. Say, honey, you have to work in the garage. No speaking to me before noon. <laughs> that probably wouldn't actually be too hard. But his yeah. he did move his office out of my office because so, he kept on interrupting podcasts. Mm-hmm. So I didn't kick him out. I just want to make that clear, everybody. I did not kick him out. But what are you most excited about in the next 90 days, CJ? So this is, well, you know, not off topic. So I started my foundation. I started my foundation many years ago and we've relaunched something called The Pledge. And so in the next 90 days, we're launching nationally uh, something called The Two Rule Pledge, which is uh, a new piece of what it is that we're doing with The Two Rule Foundation. And fundamentally, what, what we're doing is we are encouraging successful professionals to make a commitment to give 5% of their income and 40 hours a year away to others. 
And we're backing it up with all of these very quantifiable benefits of giving. And we're rolling that out to the marketplace. And when I say marketplace, it's free. So we're not charging any money for it. But getting that rolled out nationally and getting folks to take that pledge is what I'm most excited about right now. And it's been a long time coming, but we're finally ready to do it. That is such a beautiful project. If you're not able to share where people can learn more now, then I definitely ask you to please be back in touch so that we can put it in the show notes. Toorule.org pledges as we are having this conversation, the pledge, I, we rolled it out last week, actually, so they can go to it right now. Is it the number two or T-W-O? No, T-W-O, that's right. Okay, I should awesome. probably reserve that other one, though, shouldn't I? You yeah, definitely should. Yes, thank you. T-W-O-Rule.org is our, uh, is our web address, and you, you'll see right away what it's all about as soon as you get to that site. Oh, fabulous. Listeners, if you are driving, working out in a place where you can't go visit right now, you can visit the show notes page at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP468, where you'll be able to find a link for toolrule.org. I got that right, right? You got it. Okay, awesome. And CJ's book and links to where you can find CJ and everything great about that. So with that said, where is the best place to connect with you online? You can go to coachcj.com, which just basically takes you to my homepage for my website, which is cjmcclanahan.com too. But coachcj.com is the easiest way to get to me. And there you can, I mean, it's just a really easy site to learn more about what it is that I do, to learn more about our blog, our podcast, maybe hear me speak in live at some place. Everything is real easy, quick, and simple to find. Fabulously designed site too, by the way. I just need to throw it out there. We just just launched it or relaunched it, I should say, a couple months ago. Amazing. Yeah. Listeners, I have to share that I, I told CJ right when we started chatting off the record, I was like, your site is amazing. I'm sending my team over because it just it was totally inspiring. We're I not stealing that. any part of it, but you could steal yeah. it all. I'm sure I stole some stuff. Go right ahead. <laughs> I just love being inspired when I'm out there. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so now you, you heard it. The Canada and now the the Southern inspired. I'm an eclectic speaker here. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see how many different accents I can pull in. Anyway, (laughs) CJ, thank you so much for joining us today. You have inspired me, and I'm sure that you've inspired listeners. So thank you so much. No problem. I really appreciate this opportunity. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can share with listeners? You betcha. So... When I speak to any group right now or organization, everyone's feeling a little bit stressed out and worried. And um, my parting piece of advice is your goal as a professional or whomever it is out there listening is to simply be a little bit better tomorrow than you were today. And if that becomes your goal, a 24-hour improvement challenge, there's really nothing you can't handle. But when your goal becomes, I've got to achieve everything I need in the next month, year, two years, five years, whatever that ends up being, you'll get overwhelmed. So today, wherever you're at at life, ask yourself, what is the, what is my 24-hour challenge? What's that one thing I need to be better at by this time tomorrow? You win that 24-hour challenge, three out of five days during the week, you're going to have a great next month. You have a great next month, and this year will be the best ever. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. 
I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.